RadioInfluence.com. What do you say, guys? What's happening? Everything is good with me. Hopefully, you're doing okay. We're moving uh, closer to the opening of Major League Baseball season. I have really been covering spring training, a lot of games. Back from the Combine and Indy with the NFL peeps and, of course, the top college, you know, the prospects coming out that are going to be drafted in the first, second, third, fourth, fifth round, that type of thing. These kids are going to make a lot of money. But it was really something to be, you know, behind the scenes and be up close and just see how it all, you know, it's very interesting. Interesting to me. Um, I'm debating on whether or not to go to the NFL owners meetings. I went to Super Bowl. I went to the Combine. Uh, the week that you're hearing this right now, I'm in Denver, Colorado uh, with my family. We need a little bit of time, man. We really haven't done much together. And so, I don't know, man. I might. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But I'll tell you what. I do, And I do want to talk about the new rules with Major League Baseball. I like them. I'll tell you right now, and I like the pitch clock. Pitch clock. I know there are a lot of you old schoolers and don't like it and this and that. Listen, man. There really is a difference in how fast these games, these games are moving at a better pace. It keeps your interest. That's me. But anyway, it's let me let me welcome in my guest. This is a good one. Very, I find her very, very interesting. Now, I really didn't know her. Um, I'll tell you the backstory. I ran into her, and she would not even remember. It was when the 49ers were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was in the media room, and I started following her on social media. And at the time, because John Lynch got the gig with the 49ers, and I was thinking, maybe I can work for John Lynch and for the San Francisco 49ers. I was all, I, uh, very, very impressed with the 49ers organization, uh, blah, blah, blah. But all I can say is I've been following her. She does a great job. My guest here today is Jennifer Lee Chan. She is with NBC Bay Area. That's the other Bay Area, the big Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. She has been covering the San Francisco 49ers for NBC Bay Area, going now into a second decade, her 10th year. Okay. Well, finishing out their first decade, 10 years. She's done it nine years. Does a great job. Very, very personable and an interesting story. You know, how the heck did she get in this business and to cover an NFL team, a storied franchise like the San Francisco 49ers? She at one time was a pro wrestler, believe it or not. And then when she brought up the Colin Kaepernick story, I was like, oh, she was the one, and then I remember when she took the picture, and he was on, you know, wasn't standing for the national anthem, or th- and the whole thing was just, it went viral, and it blew up, and I was like, oh my God. But anyway, very, very interesting, true professional, she does a great job, so check this out. Thank you, Jennifer. Here she is from NBC Bay Area, 49ers reporter, the one, the only, Jennifer Lee Chan. All right, I am with Jennifer, who has really 
had an incredible career. One-time professional wrestler, just does a phenomenal job covering the San Francisco 49ers. And we're here on Radio Row and you're doing your thing. You look like you're happy. You're still loving it. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Jennifer Lee Chan. I'm with NBC Sports Bay Area. I just finished my ninth season covering the team. And it's, I mean, every year it's been a journey. And this year, especially with the quarterbacks that they've gone through, I mean, it's been quite a ride. So, yeah, it's been fun. Now, when you, when you started out, was it your goal to be a sports reporter, more specifically an NFL beat reporter? I mean, always NFL. That was my first love in sports. I've always been an NFL fan, a 49ers fan. I'm from the Bay Area. The family is from the Bay Area. So the fact that I get to cover the Niners is, uh, you know, just one of those kind of dreams come true. So it's been fantastic. So when did this start? Was it as a as a girl, young girl in high school? Was it something in college? You know, it came on a little later. Um, the Fourniers moved from Candlestick to Levi Stadium, and my family had had season tickets for several years since back at Kizar, and so a lot of family history. And then when they moved to San Jose, it was kind of like, well, I don't know if we're going to have season tickets. So my goal was to be able to get in to watch Fourniers games, and no matter what, whether we had season tickets or not. So uh, if there are any aspiring journalists out there, what I did, this is the time to get started. I went to all of the off-season events that players had, charity events, camps that they have for kids. That's how I got my start. I went and covered those events that, you know, once you get to the national media level or, you know, you're covering a team, you don't have time for that during the offseason because you're covering the draft, you're covering the Super Bowl. So my advice to anyone that, that's out there that wants to start, go to all those offseason events because you're going to have so much more access than you would during the season. Once the season starts, it's really only the people that have been credentialed or, you know, work for an accredited outlet that are going to get access. So do your work during the off season, go to the events, go to the charity events, because you're going to be able to get access that you wouldn't normally get. And then you build your relationships with the players, which is the most important part of doing your job. That's interesting. Of all that, that's an interesting way to get in. I have never heard of anybody and it make, it makes perfect sense. Now, I know you're big on fitness and all that. How did, how did you go, well, how did it go from to being a professional wrestler? <laughs> how, how did that start? Uh, well, I had a stint in acting, so uh, it was an audition that came up. I was actually doing a little commentating, a little color for Pro Beach Hockey, which is an ESPN2 show, roller hockey on the beach. So I did a little of that. Same producer said, hey, you should be in my wrestling show. And I was like, mm, uh, maybe. Went to the audition because you always do that. You can always say no later. And it turned into, yeah, a uh, short career, but a fun one in professional wrestling. I was Jade on Woman of Wrestling. Now, I, um, being from the Tampa Bay area, there are a ton of wrestlers, former professional wrestlers, current wrestlers. I have a couple of friends that have had wrestling schools. And I would go in there and I would watch. And when you watch on TV, they make it look easy. I went in the ring one time and nobody even hit me. I just wanted to take a bump. And one of the guys was like, oh, he goes, what happened to you? I mean, 
Is that true? It, they, it, it's very, very hard. It's very physical. Uh, I actually retired because I had a pretty serious concussion at one point. So uh, it's interesting when I'm in locker rooms and guys have had concussions, I can actually connect with them and talk to them about it. I also connect with like George Kittle and a couple of the other guys because they are huge wrestling fans, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's it takes a lot of coordination. When I see those guys, like, you know, guys as big as The Rock that are, you know, 250, 300 pounds that are doing backflips and doing all the stuff. I mean, it's hard on your body. It is very physical. You have to be coordinated. I mean, it's amazing that guys that big are able to do that type of moves. And even women too. I mean, years ago, it used to be just like the hair pulling and things like that. It is not like that today. No, I mean, it's full on moves and it's it takes a lot of body control. It's a lot of coordination. So, I mean, the physical abilities that these people have in the ring. I mean, all of them, men and women, are phenomenal. Now, for your job, what is the harder, what are some of the hard points of it? I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of, oh, can you get me in the locker room? Oh, you travel. Oh, you know, and it's not necessarily like that. What about it? What are some of the maybe challenges, things that you have learned nine years now covering the 49ers? Uh, I think the big thing is like, having your head on a swivel, knowing what the event is, knowing where to look for things that are going to happen because it's the things that people don't see on the broadcast that interest a lot of the fans. It's also seeing the little things that, you know, might not be picked up by everybody else. It's those little moments that end up being the big ones. So, I mean, one of my biggest moments was taking a picture of Colin Kaepernick sitting on the sidelines. So it was oddly a photo of the sidelines after Jeff Fisher had done hard knocks and said hey if national anthem you've got your hand on your heart you've got your helmet under your arm this is what you do you if your players are on the white the coaches are on the yellow and so I took a picture of the 49er sidelines and said hey this is not Jeff Fisher approved on this sideline and it turns out that that was the picture the one picture of Colin Kaepernick sitting on the bench because the rest of them were him kneeling so it's just you know always it's I know I annoy some people sometimes because I always have my phone out taking pictures, but you just never know what you're going to see. It's keeping your eyes open at all times because the more you see, the more you're able to absorb, and then you can relay that story. Wasn't that, weren't you taking that from pretty far up from the press box, I believe, right? Yes, yes, from the press box. And did Colin Kaepernick ever have any... I don't know, will, will, will feelings towards you or anything like that? Did you get, you know, what, what was the aftermath? I, Colin Kaepernick that year was great. I mean, I know some media might not have had great relationships with him, but because I went to his kids camp during the off season, I had a relationship with him. So we had a great working relationship when that whole scenario played out. And I, mean, I don't have anything bad to say about Colin Kaepernick. Just a couple more. Now, being from Tampa, obviously this is national, but we know John Lynch very, very well. And it really blew me away because, okay, he was an incredibly hard worker and he became a Hall of Famer. And then he goes into broadcasting and he was climbing up the ladder with Burkhardt on Fox. And then he leaves that to be the general manager. He had never been in a front office. The job that he has done. What can you tell us what you've seen in John Lynch as the 49ers GM? It's John Lynch as a person. The second time I saw him, he was like, Jennifer, how are you doing today? 
remember my name. He is so good with people and he surrounded himself with people that are going to make him successful. So you've seen Rand Carthon go on to, you know, be a general manager. He's got scouts that have moved on to be, you know, Martin Mayhew is the general manager of the Washington Commanders. So surrounding yourself with people that are going to support you and help you do your job and help you be successful. And just him as a person because he gets along with everybody. He is respectful. He is informed. I mean, everybody tells him everything because he's so nice. So, I mean, he gets information that helps him do his job. And I think it's just him as a person that has helped him be successful. All right, here's my last one. You kind of hit on it early on. Usually I wait till the end. I know you get aspiring broadcasters, reporters that ask you, how do you make, make it? And especially for females, uh, what would be the best advice, Jennifer, that you can give? do your preparation always be prepared when you go into an interview when you go to a camp when you start out learn everything you can about that player that you're covering because when you find out those little things that's going to build your relationship i remember when pierre garçon came to the 49ers as a free agent i knew about one of his coaches that really turned around his career and so i asked him if he had spoken to him and Right from then, he knew I had done my research, which made us have a better relationship. So do your research. That helps you build relationships. If you just go in there not knowing anything about the player, they're not going to believe and trust in you as quickly. It's going to take a lot more work. So do it ahead of time, and then you instantly will have that relationship with the player. Awesome. And is there a bucket list for you? Are you just, it's funny, doing all these interviews, the people are successful, a lot say, you know what, I love what I'm doing. Or do you have aspirations of going further or doing anything else for you, Jennifer? I mean, I love what I'm doing just like that. I mean, the more responsibilities that they give us, I, the more happy I am. So I just want to do it more and more. And, you know, so far, so good. It's been great with NBC Sports Bay Area. And, yeah, just keep on keeping. It's an honor. Thank you, Jennifer Lee Chan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. That that That's what's good about social media. Like, once I saw she was in the press box, I just, I might have said something. She was going to get something to drink or something like that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was no big thing. And I'm like, oh, she's generous. So she covers the 49ers. Who is she? And I looked her up. Boom. Started following her on Facebook and then I follow the because I want to keep up and I like following beat reporters that cover other NFL teams. And she does a fantastic job. She was all over the Jimmy G situation, what's going on at quarterback. Um, and a couple of years ago, pre pandemic, the Buccaneers were playing here in Tampa Bay, or the 49ers were playing the Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. And I remember there was some type of incident with, I think it was one of the players. I can't remember the specific story. And I think that's how I started following her to find out the very latest. The player got in trouble. I think that he was told, he was either told to go home. Something happened at the team hotel. In the team hotel, they were staying right off of the, uh, it's like the Courtney Campbell or the uh, the other, whatever. It's a nice hotel. I think it's a Hyatt. And John Lynch had just gotten the gig. So again, I was very, very interested in the San Francisco 49ers. And I got to tell you, so thank you, Jennifer. I really appreciate that. And best of luck. Keep on going. I saw, I did that at the Super Bowl, the week of the Super Bowl, this interview. 
And then I saw her a couple of weeks later at the Combine, and she was so nice. She's smiling. She was walking around with her cohort, who's a great 49ers reporter, uh, Matt. They've been covering the 49ers. He's been covering the you know the NFL for a long time. And she was smiling, and I said, Jennifer, I'm going to be playing it. You're up, like, next, the second to next, next. And she was just very nice about it. You know, because they do these interviews, and they're like, how come you're not playing this thing? But I have so many of these good interviews stockpiled, and it's only a once-a-week podcast, The Rock Stops Here. I'd like to increase it to twice a week, but we'll see. And then you do that, and then you then 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 watch what will happen. I'll run out of good guess, uh, and you know. Any, but anyway, so I so I just missed John Lynch at the Super Bowl. He actually he sat down with Joe Buck's fan. I was at their table the entire week. The Ira Kaufman podcast. That's where I was on Media Row, Radio Row, and. They had, they, I just missed them. You know, I'm going around trying to get interviews for my stuff. And they said, oh, John Lynch just came by or this morning and did. I said, oh, that's great. How'd he do? Because I was always a big John Lynch fan. That guy is just, he was always really good to me. And to see how successful he was. I mean, hard work. All NFL players are talented. There's nobody that's not talented that makes it on an NFL roster. And then to make it to be a Hall of Famer, you know, you got to be. He's not, he doesn't have 4-4 speed. You know, he was just intelligent, but an incredible work. He used to have these workouts in San Diego with these big uh, tire, I mean, uh, what do you call it? They're big, like, bigger than 2 by 4s and they would carry him up hills, and there would be other NFL players that would come and try to train with John Lynch, and some of them couldn't keep up with it. And it wasn't like he was born, you know, his dad was a radio executive in San Diego. And it wasn't like he came from nothing. He, he's just a good guy. And smart as heck. He went to Stanford. And then he was the first pitcher to ever throw the first pitch in the Marlins history. He could throw 95 miles an hour. And then he became a hard-ass-hitting safety on that tremendous Super Bowl-winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, the Tampa 2, with Sapp and Brooks and Lynch and Barber. That's four Hall of Famers from a defense on one team. How about that? And then he broke his vertebrae. And I remember they had a... The Buccaneers didn't allow... They wanted to do something for him. Like, I don't know if it was fans that got together. They wanted to do something. And the Bucks thought that he was done. You know, they, they looked him over with their team doctors and, and this and that. And they weren't going to do, they weren't going to allow anything on property from what I understand. And so the Tampa Bay Lightning stepped up. And it was John Lynch Day at a Tampa Bay Lightning game. And they gave him a jersey with the name on the back. And so I was working in local TV at the time. Brad Johnson, who had roomed with John Lynch for a period of time on road trips when they were on the Bucks together. And he told a hysterical story on John Lynch's wife would write him these little notes and would put it in his pocket. 
and he would be calling his wife in the hotel room in the morning and of the game and he would be reading these notes and Brad Johnson said he'd, he'd look out and on the on the balcony you know he'd open the slot and John Lynch is doing sit-ups and stretching and all this stuff and and it was really busting on him in front of all these people it was like a tribute to John Lynch but it was he was roasting him knowing that it was his good friend and it was hysterical and I remember sitting down with John Lynch at that because, like I said, I was on local TV. I was able to get a one-on-one, sat down, boom, boom, boom. And then it was time for him to go out on the stage. They had it out on the plaza. And I remember walking behind Lynch and looking at the scar, the scars on his neck, the amount of, like, stitches and scarring all the way down. And I'm like, oh, my God, that guy had, like, a broken neck. And he's going to try to play football again? And, oh, did he play football again for the Denver Broncos. He was an all-pro after that and ends up in the Hall of Fame. So, again, and then to go, then he, he's in broadcasting, okay? He's at Fox Sports. He's put on NFL games as an analyst, and he works his way up to the number two team. He was the number two team at Fox. He could have stayed there. He could have had businesses run your foundation, have a nice life. But no, he was driven. And I remember he was saying that he misses like getting up for games and also even though even the losses and what that does to you when you're on a team. And he just he just missed that. Like being in the media calling the games, it didn't matter who won, who lost. Yeah, you do your preparation. Yeah, he's at Fox. He's at the top. But it was missing something. And then he becomes the general manager of the 49ers, and he never worked in a front office. He gets a job being the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, and look at the success he has had. So just an incredible story. And I'll tell you, Mr. Eddie DeBartolo, has, I haven't seen him in a couple of years now, but he, has, he could not be nicer to me. There is somebody that I also look up to. And uh, years ago, when I was at Bay News 9, his attorney, Brian Kopp, reached out to me. I'm a, I'm a no-money little sports anchor at Bay News 9 and wanted to know if I needed representation. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Yes, I don't have an agent. And I was just ended up re-signing at Bay News 9. I wasn't really going anywhere, although I... Uh, and But Brian did it for nothing. He was my agent for several years. And he was Mr. Eddie DeBartolo's right-hand man from Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio. Just a great guy, no ego. He would take me out to lunch, take me to dinner... Everything was on him. There was nothing I could do for him. And he was like, no, you got to have such a good reputation. It's good for me to represent you here in Tampa Bay. And I was like, oh, my God. And then one time I ended up doing a long interview, a sit down with Mr. DeBartolo at his home. And he and his wife had a catered lunch for myself and my camera person. How about that? And they had a man wearing white gloves 
that brought out all the Super Bowl, all the Lombardi trophies, and they're polished, and he wears white gloves. And he goes, where would you like to do the interview? We could do it here. We could do it here. You know, NFL Network just did that big, long thing, some big documentary, and he said they did it in this room, Mr. DeBartolo's, like, study office. We can bring the Lombardi trophies out and put it behind him. Beautiful. And he was always so nice to me. I saw I would see him at an event, and he would always say to me, boy, you work a lot of hours. I, I see you out at night because I, I did a live 11 o'clock uh, call-in show with highlights and all that every night for like 14 years. But I also taped these sports minutes that would run the next morning, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and he, Mr. DeBartolo, Eddie DeBartolo, thought that I was working from like 7 in the morning till midnight at 1 o'clock. I just let it go. I said, oh, Mr. DeBartolo, you work hard, this and that. But again, they were so nice. He and his wife, Brian Kopp, who had been my agent for a couple of years, the 49ers tradition. I mean, I always looked up to it. And when Montana and Rice... And then, and, and the great coach that they had, the coaching staff and the way they did things. And I remember over the years, I would interview former 49ers and they would always tell me the same thing, that the 49ers organization, they'd come from another team and to see how top notch it was. They never did anything half-ass. Everything was first class. Everything was about family. They would always invite the entire family families on trips and big events that they would have it was always included in everything and I remember Mr. DeBardlo telling me at the interview that I sat down with him and that he was like he never when he would talk to players it would never be about contract never ever even though he was the owner leave that to his general manager leave that to his cap guy because he wanted to have a night a good relationship with all of his players and his coaches. He didn't want to talk money because when you talk money, you know how it goes, man. So, I mean, so anyway, Jennifer, thank you. John Lynch, continued success. And the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, 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 yes. Class, class, class. Organization. All righty. We are still living at my in-laws. It's going to be a while, it looks like. Um, you know, we just, it's how, uh, it's just how things go. You know, uh, we're looking for how we sold our house. Everything's in storage. We're going day to day. My wife and I, uh, just, we had one bad day, boy, one bad day. It was a bad day, bad day, bad day, bad day. I couldn't sleep. Boom, boom, boom. And we took a nice little walk the other night and I think everything is good. Everything is a-okay. So things will be okay. Things will work out. We will be fine and everything will work out. I keep telling myself that. That's what you got to do. <laughs> right? You got to. You got to. You got to. So the other thing is I have been immersed, 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 immersed in baseball coverage, spring training. And I have been at Tropicana Field. Now, that is the home of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, they have attendance problems. They, they always have. A lot of people rip on the trop. Dump, they call it, and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. 
It's hot here where we are in Tampa Bay, in Florida. It's humid where we are. You never have a thunderstorm that's going to uh, lightning strikes outside that's ever going to stop play. Whether it's batting practice, whether it's infield, outfield, whether it's game, you always know you're going to have a game and it's always 72 degrees. And you know what? I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I know baseball should be played outside. I get it. But being here in Florida, I'm telling you, man, and it's been strange that it's been spring training games because this is where they play their home games. So it's a little bit different. They only have the lower bowl, which is open. You're getting a couple thousand fans a game. And I know I've posted a picture or two or a video and looks like a regular game. Looks like a home game. What's the difference between this and the regular season? Listen, I was t- I've been talking to a lot of baseball people that come through. There has been, like, there was two from Sirius uh, MLB Radio today. And I got them both for the podcast. Xavier Scruggs, he's great. He played a couple of, I think he played, I don't know how many years he played in the major leagues, but he also played in Korea. He played in Mexico. He played in different countries. He's been on ESPN. Uh, Also, the former Mets general manager, Steve Phillips, he's been on ESPN. He's MLB. He's on Sirius XM. I, I did a podcast with him today. Um, but I'm talking, uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN. I talked with him. Now, I didn't have a chance to do a podcast with him. I told him he's one of my favorite. He, he is Mr. Baseball, man, for information and being an insider. I know he's a columnist for ESPN. But I got to tell you, and then there's another from MLB.com. I was talking to him at length today. People in baseball are amazed and impressed with what the Rays are able to do with their formula in the high payroll, AL East. It's the only league where there's no salary cap. So if you got so much money rolling in like the Yes Network and the New York market and being with the Yankees, they can spend, 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 spend. The Toronto Blue Jays can spend, spend, spend. The Red Sox can spend, 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 spend. And I know I'm going to get credit. I, I get it about Stu Sternberg and all this stuff and, and not wanting to spend on payroll. This, they're a small to medium market because of the amount of population that we keep growing and growing and growing here. Um, but for, for whatever, uh, tons of reasons, we're not going to get deep into this now. Fans don't go. A lot of fans don't go, but baseball people that I'm talking to that have played the game at the major league level, that have been GMs at the major league level, that have covered major league baseball for years and years and years on a national level. They are all so impressed with how the Rays are able to do it, and especially with pitchers. Pitchers. How do pitchers come to the Rays and they have career years? How? How do Rays find the diamonds in the rough and they are good here? And I can tell you this, that a lot of players that I have talked to, raised players over the years, when they go somewhere else, they all say, 
they loved playing for the Rays and they love playing in Tampa Bay. Does it suck that they don't get better attendance and for players? Yes. Yes. That does suck. That sucks when it's August and you're in a playoff race and you get 7,000, 9,000, 8,000 fans. That does suck. But other than that, everything else they say about the Rays is they wish that they were still playing for the Rays. It's low key. There's not a lot of pressure. It's a great place to live. I was telling the story the other day that David Price, when David Price was traded to the Detroit Tigers, he was just talking about, oh my God, I got to commute into the downtown Detroit. I used to ride my scooter to the Trop. Oh my God. I remember the first Detroit game back at Tropicana Field for David Price, he was over with Davey Martinez and the entire Rays guys, and he kept saying just how, oh my God, I miss it, I miss it, I miss it already, and this and that, this and that. So I just got to put that in there. I know I know the Rays outside of Tampa Bay take a lot of, there's a lot of jokes because of the lack of, t- of attendance, and I don't know if that's ever going to, I don't know if it's going to change. I would think... If they do get a new stadium, and that's another thing. I was talking in-depth to a guy who did his whole, he's done so much homework on this, that the days of taxpayers footing a new stadium, like what happened down in Miami with the Marlins, those days are gone. That ain't happening anymore. You got to get big money, big money businessman that wants the allure of owning a baseball, a sports franchise. There is something to that because all the owners in in the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball, NHL, they made their money in the private sector. It wasn't fun, but it was, they were very, very successful. And for them to own a team, that's fun. You're in your luxury box you sign autographs for fans. You're, 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 you, do you see what I'm saying? It's not like that in the businesses that they had. Oh, my God. So there is that allure. And maybe, maybe someone will come along with big pockets that wants to be involved in a baseball team, and maybe that happens. But until you get that, I don't know where how this stadium is going to be built. But now, here's the other thing that I did want to bring up, right? and this is new. This is the pitch clock. This is to be able to steal more bases. And now I was down on the field and I have seen the bases. The bases are bigger. It is alarming. <laughs> I The bigger bases, I don't know. I don't know. But the pitch clock, as soon as an out is made, it's 30 seconds. And then it's to 20, to 15. And... I'm telling you what, man. I these these spring training games, they are they are much faster. Last year, I believe the games where they're using these pitch clocks, you know, in the minor leagues, 
the games were 20 to 25 minutes, 25 minutes faster. So far in spring training, these games are 20 minutes faster. It just moves faster. Now, I know that there's a lot of you old timers that can't stand it. Horrible. Oh, I've seen it. I, I, I had a video, you know, I post and I see the comments. Sorry, man. This is you. It's good for the game. You want the game to grow, don't you? Do you want the younger generation to get into the? Don't let the game die. Don't let it. Baseball is still a great game, and it's a great game to go watch. Sitting in the stands with your beer, with your hot dog, with your pretzel, with your popcorn, kicking back, seeing a lot of different parts of the game, looking over here, looking at the bullpen, looking here, looking up over here, kicking back, talking to who's next to you. It's a, it's an outlet. It's so relaxing. I guarantee you if they did the blood pressure check of someone in about the fourth or the fifth inning who is so relaxed watching a baseball game, kicking back on a weekday compared to what it's like when you're in your stress of your life. I guarantee it, it would work. There you go. That's mine. Have them go to a baseball game. They don't, they, they normally don't have a dog. I have a dog. Put everything on the dog. I mean, it's just really, 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 it's, it really has changed things. And it is a difference. It is, it is a difference for me. And, and I like it. The other thing too is, um, I gotta say like being down on the field, field level like for batting practice seeing some of these guys like Brandon Lau knew it late low Brandon Lau Lau low low Lau low Lau low low Lau Lau uh I was like standing next to him he's not big at all he's no bigger than me and yet it's incredible. And they're not like they're totally jacked. You get a couple of guys that are fairly big, but you got to be limber. You have to be able to throw and catch and move and contort. You can't be all stiff and totally jacked. Um, how they hit a ball so far with ease. I was watching batting practice the other day with Dante Bichette's kid, Bo Bichette. Not necessarily a big guy. When he takes batting practice, he has cut-off shirt. He has, like, uh, the cut-off sleeves. He's not totally... He's not jacked. He's got pretty strong legs. But, I mean, he swings so effortlessly, and I'm seeing the ball, boom! And it's wood. It's a wood bat. It's not the aluminum, as you know. And you just... It takes off like a tee shot, a golf shot. Where does this power come from? How do they do it? It's the hand-eye coordination, the fast, the twitch muscles. It's how they they hit the ball on the barrel of the bat and how where they connect. But it's such an easy. It isn't like they're up there trying to swing really hard. Just boom, and you. It's just boom, 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 and boom. You hear it banging off of the those big chairs, metal chairs out there in left field. It's incredible to me watching the pitchers. I see these pictures. You see them in the in the locker room. They got their shirts off, a concave chest. Nothing. Not they're not in Bill, and they're throwing ninety six. Get down on the field, and and stand next to, be close to the bullpen, and watch and hear a ninety six mile an hour heater with movement. 
Nobody throws perfectly straight. How do they do that? They are the best in the world at that. And you're not only competing against the best in the United States. Like, okay, for the example, for football. Football is our sport, American sport. Baseball, you are competing against kids that are coming from the DR Dominican, Puerto Rico, Japan, uh, where else? Where it, 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 they, they're poor. This means this means they'll have money for their families. They're 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 playing for a new life for their entire families, and you got to beat them out. They've been playing barefoot with a with with, with, with a stick. And, 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 and something taped up, and how about that, or, or, or throwing pennies and, and hitting that. You know, you're competing against that, these kids. I mean, it's just, it, it's just that, I don't know, I am renewed, renewed with my love for baseball this spring, even more so. You know, because I admit it, the, the last couple of years, these games are so long. I don't have four hours every night to sit on the couch and just give up four hours. Do you? And uh, some of you can. God bless you. But I mean, to see the game, it's sped up. It's going to be more exciting. Great. Great. And I don't know, just being out there covering the game, maybe it's because of the pandemic. I don't know what it is. But just being up close, it's really renewed my spirit for baseball and Major League Baseball and to appreciate what the Rays are able to do every single year and names that you don't know and you will know them at the end of this season. It's really something else. One other thing that I do got to get to, maybe it's me and you can hit me up on social media. I would love to know. This is where I miss doing a live radio TV show talking to you right now. I miss that. Are you watching the XFL or USFL? Are you watching? I wish I... I watched a little bit. Week one, Anthony Becht is a friend of mine. He's a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He was a broadcaster on ESPN. And he's... Oh, God, he's always been so good to me. And he credits me for when he was trying to get in the business and I was putting him on in the beginning. But he far surpassed me. And he is the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks. And I know in St. Louis, they lost their NFL team. It means the world to them. Like a community like that, that's great. I have a friend. I consider him a friend. He used to be an intern at Bay News 9. Now he's the main sports anchor at one of the affiliates in Washington, D.C., Scott Abraham, Scotty handsome dude and crushing it and I follow him and he's like the DC his team and this and that and this and that this and that but I don't know man I just I I've I've been noticing that the ratings the ratings the first week were okay second week a big drop off third week big drop off I mean I don't know if it's going to make it I'm I don't know like I say I'm pulling for Anthony Becht I love football, but I also like the break. It it has me wanting. Like, I'm looking forward to the NFL draft, that first round, the first night. I love it. I'm going to try to hit the Joe Bucks fan party at Big Storm in Ebor. I'm going to try. I'll see. Because I, I am going to be working it, and I got to get 
the info and the GM coming out. I don't know if Bowles will come out too. Um, probably at one buck. But anyway, I love I love the first night of that. I'm gonna love the first off season workout. I'm gonna love the first mini camp. And then you get that break in the summer, and then it's time for NFL training camp. I love it. I do. I love it. I'm there all day. You can see all practice. You're meeting. You're schmoozing. You're doing interviews. It's in my blood. I love it. But I also like the break. I don't like something 24-7. I think it's good to actually take a break from that. And I just have not gotten into it. Maybe it's me. Are you? Are you watching the XFL? Maybe. I don't know if any of these leagues can make maybe we just need a break but those that are it's providing other jobs it's providing an opportunity i like dwayne the rock johnson anthony told me and so did other guys that know him he's a great guy for being a huge movie star and can you smell what the rock is cooking and how successful he's been because of his dad i know wrestlers that know his knew his late father uh he's a good he's a good guy so i'm pulling for him i'm pulling for the xfl and when I was doing a local radio show, oh, content. I was hoping, hoping. I just haven't been watching. And it, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It's just, I'm just being honest, man. I don't know. I just I just kind of need that little bit of a break. All right, listen, guys. Um, that's about it for today. Jennifer, Jennifer Lee Chan, thank you so much. Next week, I'm hoping to play for you Maurice Jones-Drew. The great former Jacksonville Jaguars running back on NFL Network. He is the color analyst for the Los Angeles Rams with my friend J.B. Long, who does play-by-play. Maurice Jones-Drew, phenomenal. Once I started doing this podcast with him and listening to him, and how he's always looking for a challenge. And I was like, what's the big attraction? Everybody's telling me, oh, Maurice Jones-Drew, great guy. Where do, you, where do you hear him? Where do you see him? And I was like, okay, I liked him as a player. I like him on the air. But I get it. I get it after doing the Rock Stops here. So barring anything else that comes my way, I'll play you Maurice Jones-Drew next week, next Tuesday right here on the Rock Stops here. Alrighty, guys. Listen, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. That will help me out. And please, let's try to build this bad boy. That th- I'm trying to break out of the Tampa Bay guest mold, and I think I and I've got a lot. I have more than two months in the can, yeah, of some big names. So, but thanks for listening to my stories. I am getting a few of you people that say you do like like the podcast, and that means the world to me. It really does. All right? All right, guys. I'll talk to you next Tuesday from my in-law's house. I'm actually doing this in my car, and uh, all is good. <laughs> all is good. I'll talk to you next week, guys. 